Welcome to another episode of House of Decline. We have the ad read up top. I'm going to say go to patreon.com slash house of decline. You get, get fucking crazy amounts of content. It's not art. It's content. Consume it. Shovel it in your fucking face, you fucking pig. This is the ad read. This is how you know you're good. You eat the slop. Eat the slop that I produce. Patreon.com slash House of Decline. $3 a month gets 30 comics. $5 a month gets your bonus podcast. I'm going fucking crazy over... Yeah, okay. It's <laughs> That's the ad read. Patreon.com slash House of Decline. Also go to the website, houseofdecline.com. That's H-A-U-S of Decline. Today, uh, we have... Uh, on a cartoonist that I've admired for a while. Excellent work. You may know him from Swan Boy, as well as uh, a comic about having one fear. And uh, <laughs> it's Branson Reese, everyone. Branson Reese is on the show. How you doing? Hello. Oink, oink, you little piggies. It's good to be here. <laughs> you goddamn slop merchants. You got <laughs> eat your food. Yeah, eat your cartoon food. Actually, um, yeah, I think that is part of what I wanted to talk about. The the how do you get over feeling like you are producing something that lacks substance and that is ultimately like not helpful <laughs> in this world? Oh, I, I mean, I don't. I like I just uh, everything I make and consume is trash. You know what I mean? Like it's a. Look, I don't believe. I was just talking uh, someone about this. I don't believe in like the high art, low art. Mm-hmm. Uh, line. I think it's all. It's stupid. I think that's a thing for middle class people who are stressed about other things to like project onto. Yeah, it's all that you know. It's like basket case and the opera are both art, and they're you can get whatever you need out of either of them. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not an idiot. I'm aware of what is being signified by both of those things, and it's. I just I you know I live in the I live in the trash world. I live down here with basket case and John Waters, and that's it, that can be very beautiful. So yeah, that's just what I do. Hey, well, trash world is also very comforting to me. That's where I live. Um, and oh, I think yeah. it's just because a discomfort of viewing myself as any sort of authority figure or somebody to be taken seriously or somebody that has sure. like I do have strong opinions and like I want to express beautiful things. But at the same time, I'm nothing. I'm a piece of shit. Like, uh, sure, yeah, like, uh, have you ever like met artists that do have like very uh, strong, not necessarily high opinions about themselves, but like very deeply rooted moral ethic about art and how they present themselves and, you know, what they're doing? And, and have you ever like compared yourself to those people? It's funny. In some ways, I am one of those people, you know, I, I have, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it'll come out of it. I have an extremely high opinion of myself, but also like, but I know. You know, it's yeah, like it's like weird. Yeah. These things like coexist. It's like I was like, oh, I'm 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 God and the devil. You know, like I, God, I, I am, <laughs> I'm an incredible. And then also, it's like, yeah, but I, I'm the Swan Boy guy. You know, it's like yeah. those two things just like live side by side, and they're not really in conflict. Mm-hmm. So, I, but yeah, I've met people like that. I certainly have strong opinions and thing, and I have strong opinions on like you know ethics and morals of like the art I make and how I make it. And I, but I, I know what you're talking. I've definitely worked with people who talk a very big game, and I, mm-hmm. I've known people who talk a huge game about morality and and all this shit. And mm-hmm. and then in action, it's bullshit, you know. And it's fair. It's like uh, it's just embarrassing for them, is how I feel. Yeah. I think there's also if you if you're somebody that has leftist politics as we do as we oh, I, we're I good yeah listeners people. we're good yeah 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 we're we're nice people we're nice good people 
Um, but it's also sort of you get to that uh, question of, OK, so what are you doing on the commune? And like not everyone can be the cartoonist on the commune. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I, I like I'm just I don't know. I find a lot of comfort in like, what am I doing on the commune? Oh, I'm long dead by the time. We <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Branson, I grew up in like McDonald's and Simpsons were like it's it's not happening. What we would need to do to get to the commune, you know what I mean? Like on a, mm -hmm. on a broad scale, I don't survive that. That's yeah. fine. I live when I live and that's just what that's got to be. Yeah, I only function in this late capitalist superstructure, making my making my little jokes for people on yeah. the Internet. It's not ideal, but I already I already made my peace with it. It's, it's yeah. too, and I'm 35. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not like learning new. I, I'm not going to suddenly learn how to like fell trees and build homes out, you know <laughs> you do your mid-career lumberjack change a lot of people do that you know everyone look at bill waterston look at you know this yeah, he started jacking doing. jacking he's in the jacking. woods although he's coming out with a new book recently that he's not illustrating I saw. Yeah. It's, oh yeah it's like a different guy doing it right uh yeah but uh i don't know who the different guy is but uh, from the the previews of the artwork it looks great and it's a horror he's story talented, yeah. which is after my own heart it's a medieval horror story which is you know that's that's hitting all the buttons right there that's cool i mean good good for him good for i this is i the artist i don't know who the gender of the artist i just said him whoops i don't yeah, know i don't know i don't know, yeah, who, I don't know who this person is yeah yeah uh, but the art does look great. Happy for Bill Watterson. He can do whatever he wants. You know, it's, if anyone's earned it, that guy has. Well, let, let's get, uh, this is a good segue to talk about uh, influences, because uh, I, I think you have a very specific style and I want to I want to get into it. Uh, what I think that you, where, who I think you draw from. And the first name I'm going to uh, push at you is Everett Peck. What can you tell me about Everett Peck? <sighs> Oh, that I love him, that I grew up with, uh, you know, Duckman and all of his shit. Like, I, big, big fan. Mm -hmm. Love his stuff. Looked up. One of the first artists who I, like, looked up on my own independent. You know, like, I would see Duckman. I had, there was a lot I wasn't allowed to watch around mm -hmm. my house as a kid because I would start parodying it. Like, I initially, I was allowed to watch Ren and Stimpy, and then I started calling everybody idiot. And so <laughs> idiot, I got it yeah. taken away. Yeah. So I, thought I was right in my defense. Yeah, yeah. It was very funny. But so I got that taken away. But Duckman, for whatever, my, my parents were like, ah, this isn't like appropriate for kids, but come on. This is tailor made for our kid. Like, we got to let him watch it. You know, yeah, yeah. That was on. And I, so I started, I looked him up, and this was like pre internet, and I there wasn't a lot to find, but he would like, sometimes he would do art in a magazine. Mm hmm. You know, and I would like buy the magazine to like look through that or I would see his illustration for like a book or a game or something. And I would like buy that. So I was a, I was an early fan of his He's a very interesting guy. He was sad when he died. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like him a lot. That's very flattering uh, to me to be told that he's a, a, the first influence you named. Thank you. Yeah, it, well, because I, I remember like when he died, he's he's not that well known, which is interesting to me because his style for like four years was inescapable. Like yes, he did yeah. the Jumanji character designs for the Jumanji cartoon show. Uh, uh, like his his work was just, you know, for like those four years that Gary Baseman was inescapable and <laughs> yes, the popular yeah. culture as well. It, 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 like for some reason throughout the 90s and 2000s, like uh, there was this revolving door of these indie artists that got a lot of like mainstream play and then sort of fell out of favor. But I guess, you know, Everett Peck, he had Squirrel Boy as well. Mm -hmm. um he, he was still popular into the 2000s he was still making stuff 
he really uh, he meshed very well with the animations with Klasky Chupo, who's the animation yes. studio who did Duckman. They're so, they're sort of like Soviet block style, this sort of like intentionally grotesque style that they had mm-hmm. in his worked really really well together. Um, and I think he was able to like ride that. I also think. I feel this way about like film too, with like, you know, there's like this cultural revolution in the sixties mm-hmm. and then film takes a little bit to catch up. And so late sixties into the seventies, American film just like explodes, you know, it mm-hmm. becomes this like incredible thing. And I feel a lot of the same way about like this underground, like indie stuff, you know, this, like our band could be your life world of like mm-hmm. all these indie artists in the eighties, like Minutemen and shit, like all of that. And this like punk explosion then into the nineties, then like cartoons and shit start to sort of like follow that ethos. Mm-hmm. And so you get when I imagine we're about the same age, like when we were growing up, all of this stuff is like hitting us as kids. Mm-hmm. It was, it's I'm very lucky. I feel very lucky to be born when I was and the age yeah. of him that young. Well, cause it was like, it's stuff that came from a real transgressive space as well. You know, it's, yeah. it's stuff that had its roots with like Raymond Pettibon and, uh, oh, a huge guy to a, num- a very, very big influence also. Oh yeah. Talk about Raymond Pettibon, if you will. I love him. Yeah. I, I mean, he's, a, he's got, it's funny. I was on a, a few years ago. I was on my friend Chris's podcast, uh, Chris and Molly's podcast. They were, t- they were talking about our band could be your life. And I was talking about black flag, the black flag chapter with them. And we talked about Raymond Pettibon. And his art and how it exists in this, like, I, I like really what this sounds like a lot, but I really would call it this like American folk art tradition of mm-hmm. like shit carved into desks or written on spiral bound notebooks, you know, yeah. that like when you're drawing an eyeball in class, like he really is like an outgrowth of that, of the, mm-hmm. for listeners who don't know, he's this, he's, he designed the black flag logo, mm-hmm. all of the early like SST stuff, like all of that art is him and that's his style these um these very they're grotesque they're very punk they're very like in your face you know there's the cop sucking the gun like a dick like that kind of like it's that's cool yeah yeah like 14 that's like the coolest shit in the world it's still now and this is like the the very high praise i would give to him is at 35 still looking at his art sometimes i feel like i'm gonna get in trouble for looking at it yeah yeah because there's this like aggressive really yeah very angry but not in a puerile way like no not at all but but with like a real sense of ethic and a real sense of purpose and a real like critical eye turned to uh you know in the same way that sometimes when people project an air of seriousness they don't get it right but sometimes when they project an air of seriousness they're fugazi and that seriousness is integral to their you know sort of the humor that then comes out of it you know that really intense um that that intensity there there is a intensity to it that uh and it's hard to replicate i think you do i think you get it by meaning it you know and like actually living it uh, and that's why it's like hey, you can make fun of Fugazi if you want to, but shut up, dude. Like they did mm-hmm. it, you know. They those concerts were five dollars the whole time, and they would give refunds to people fighting. You know, it's like <laughs> well, they they did it. You know, yeah. they could have lived in bigger houses, but they always lived in that one house in Virginia. You know, like that. Like that's real, and I feel that way about him too. Of like that, it, it feels honest. And like if mm-hmm. you look at his like these huge, I mean, you is like his surfing art of like mm-hmm. these huge paintings of people surfing. Like it's very soulful too mm-hmm. you know it's like it doesn't feel manufactured or fake or like somebody pretending to have the personality they had at 14 well into their 30s like yeah it it just feels honest it feels like he honestly came by having this experience with like americana and american mm-hmm. culture and middle class american culture and like being questioning of it and 
yeah, a huge, huge fan of his. Very inspiring guy. What I really like about Pettibon's art as well is that there's a huge amount of space in it. There's always like sort of a single character who is offset by like this very large amount of negative space, which gives it that sort of eerie like back rooms quality, that sort of uh, uncanny quality as well, which which enhances it. It's scary. If he had ever gotten into like horror art, you know, he would have probably popped in a huge way. He's Mm -hmm. very uncanny. They're very unnerving. The, I'm thinking of the the copy uh, or the 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 cover of Nervous Breakdown by Black yeah, Flag yeah. of the teacher like assaulting him with the chair. It's like it looks wrong, you know. It look, but in not in a, you know he's very good. He's a very talented mm-hmm. draftsman, but like it looks wrong in the way that like watching a teacher assault a student is wrong. Mm-hmm. So he captured that. Yes, um, and it goes, of course. I, so you are a big SST head as well. Oh yeah, yeah. So, I've been, so I moved sad. out to LA a few years ago. I know. I wanted to do my little like SST tour. Of, like, <laughs> go, go to Pedro. To Pedro, yeah. Yeah, Pedro. It's a long drive. It's a long <laughs> drive to what ultimately would be looking at some houses. You know. Yeah. No. No. Uh, no wonder they made a car-based album, and it it was their best album. I and... did. I did get that shot. That was what I did. You know, the first time I was here, we drove under the egg, that sign for the exit, and we got the shot. Uh, but for what? Every, you know, every idiot like me who goes to L.A. gets that shot of, but we got it. <laughs> you got, you got it. Yeah, you, you participated in, you you should sleep in the same room that, uh, that Ron Rea slept in, in uh, Decline of Western Civilization. Is oh, the, the little, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the little, the little uh, capsule hotel that he was in. I got it. Yeah, and then I can, that's like uh, Hunter S. Thompson, like, writing the works of Hemingway. You know about this, right? Like, he, <laughs> he, he wrote. He like covered his books. He just like wrote them word for word because he wanted to know what it would feel like to put those words in that order, mm-hmm. which is, I think, a waste of time. Yeah, he, Hunter S. Thompson. I mean, I like Hunter S. Thompson, but he's not my favorite guy. You know, talk about sure, which seems like anger that is a little puerile as well. For absolutely, and, and some of it's good. You know, Fear and Loathing, Campaign Trail seventy two, beautiful work of art. You yeah, know, there's some passages in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas that are. Uh, stirring and really, mm-hmm. you know, capture this like ugly American id, but like also shut up, man. Well, I'm actually glad we're on to Hunter S. Thompson because another guy who I see uh, influence in your work is that's a terrible sentence, but Ralph Steadman. Oh yeah. I love Ralph Steadman. That's the, yeah. that's what first drew me to Thompson too, was all of that art, you know? Yeah. Those uh, that's God. This is all. This is I. You're really gassing me up here. This is incredible. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because specifically your line, you have this, and it evolved over time. It wasn't like this at first, but you got a really funny line. Like what it, what you do is you. It varies in width. Like mm-hmm. there'll be like a big thick ink blot at one point in Swan Boy's head, and then it'll go back to thin again. And that is like there's just something inherently amusing about that. I feel like. Ralph Steadman sort of pioneered that thing of like having very variable, seemingly random thickness and line. I got to throw this back to you too. I love your line. I, I've thought this a number of times, like looking at your work, like it's, a, you know what I mean? It's like, it's very organic. It feels very real. It makes the drawings like feel alive. Yeah. Yeah. Cause well, what I do is I use a Pentel brush pen and because like my, I'm, I'm usually caffeined up. My hand is shaking a lot. Same. same yeah. yeah. And uh, but uh, when I realized that was okay, it was because of late period peanuts when Charles Schultz's line got all like scratchy, but it ended up making it look fucking awesome. It's so he's so interesting because his early line is so smooth. Yeah. 
it is so it's like Chris Ware smooth, you yeah. know, that like those early peanuts and they're beautiful. Yeah. And I love them. And if it had been that the whole time, oh my God. But it really does become something uniquely his. And it's like you've we've all seen it. People try to draw peanuts and it's like, good fucking luck, buddy. Mm-hmm. That is that is him and him alone. That is like it's his fingerprint is on there. Mm-hmm. It's so unique and he's esoteric to him. Something I see, and this is an influence on me for sure, but I also see it in you is, and maybe I'm wrong here, but Matt Groening. Like the oh, yeah. I went through all the life in hell stuff. Yeah, I got I got love in hell very young. And it was great oh, because yeah. school this, is hell. Yeah, yeah. School is hell. Uh, the 81 types of uh, teachers or not teachers, the 81 types of school kids, you know, he would do those yeah. long uh, sort of uh, list like uh, comics where he'd do a little individual drawing. And that showed me that if you were like willing to commit to an idea, you didn't have to be a technical master as long as you like put a lot of detail and thought into something. Yeah. And he's he's really cool because uh, it's like, obviously, 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 everyone comes to him through Simpsons. Mm hmm. For the most part. And I know people listening. I know what the internet is like. People are going to be like, I actually discovered him on my own. Shut the fuck up. Everyone comes to him through <laughs> The Simpsons. Yeah. I know. it's a good, But to discover that shit and like, he's not a, he's not a good draftsman, but yeah. neither am I. It's, it's fine. It's okay. I, that's not, you know, I'm not a, it's not a shot at him. He is good though, compositionally. Yes. And it, it, that makes up for it so well. You know, it's like the the fucking the the little kid alone in the room, tied to the chair, a huge empty room, yeah. and the adult looking through the like big, the binky, slot yeah, in the yeah. door of like, I'm doing this for your own good. Or like yeah, the yeah. kid looking up in the messy room of like mistakes were made. Like that stuff is that's so beautifully composed. That is so artfully done and it gets your eye right where it needs to go. It doesn't matter if he can draw form or not. Yeah, like, yeah. As long as the objects are in the frame at the right proportion. I mean, that's what I love about comics too, because you can get better at comics by watching movies, which is... Oh, uh, God, yeah. Yeah, it's just a... composition. If you're not a good draftsman, watch like a Cassavetes movie and learn blocking and learn how characters are placed in a frame and like it doesn't matter if you draw shitty if you learn how to do that your stuff will pop way more it's uh, yeah it's like not everyone can be like a like a kate beaton or something you know yeah. who like and it's what a talent you know yeah, like yeah. jesus christ how cool to be alive at the same time like amazing yeah, but so talented, it makes me angry. It makes me I furious. <laughs> the way she does expressions and like subtlety, and it's like, I don't think I've ever seen that expression in art before, like drawn like mm-hmm. that before. And you made it the punchline. Thank you so much. My wife just brought me a tea. Hey, uh, hey, yeah. Shout out to wives. Shout out to wives, wives everywhere. Let's hear yeah. it for them. Uh, the and like, so she can do that. And early on in my comics, it's like, why can't I do that? <laughs> Why can't I? You know, I get frustrated with myself. It's like because I can't, man. Because I didn't try hard enough early on, and I'm too old to like learn. That. All right, whatever. Mm-hmm. I can do other stuff, you know. Or it's like you look at like um, I, I, there's a huge, there's no shit, huge influence, but like Chris Onstat, mm-hmm. like with Akewood, you know. It's like he is. I I think he's an incredible artist mm-hmm. personally. He is nobody's, I think, favorite visual artist. But he, it's like the Rocky and Bullwinkle thing, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like he's, his writing is so like Mark Twain caliber, right? You know, this incredible writer. Yeah. And his art, he's figured out how to make his art support that writing in a way that's very, very funny and very, mm-hmm. and works perfectly. And it's like, you know, it's not this like, oh, is he a good artist or not? Like, who gives a shit? Oh, what a boring question. Like, he's an incredible artist at making Akewood. Yeah. 
You don't cool. need to. You don't need to uh, be fucking uh, uh, Chuck Close or something like that. You know, you don't need to yeah. be like this incredible technical genius. As long as you have an idea and your drawing is good enough to convey that idea, it just needs to be good enough to convey that idea. Uh, it's a very. This is a, to answer your question from earlier. It's like that's like how I do it. It's like, well, if it's good enough, the great. Yeah. Like I don't. Nobody. And at this point, too, I've got enough backlog and I've got enough career. It's like nobody's coming to me for good art. You know? <laughs> yeah, they know. They know what they're getting. They know what I'm the trash for. man. They know what's coming. Um, I I what the thing about scratchy lines too, uh, or like organic looking lines. How do you produce your work? Do you, is it produced on paper or is it all digital? Is it done all with digital? A it's been all digital always i think from everything that i that i put online i like you you know it's i've been draw, drawing my whole life and that was digital is you know on the scope of my life very recent mm -hmm. um but for the last seven years or however long i've been making stuff for public consumption it's all been digital my wife got me a pad Ooh. for my birthday about seven years ago and she was like well you're always drawing on like napkins and shit and my the first thing i ever drew that went viral the one fear comic yeah yeah that was on a takeout napkin <laughs> like, that's fucking i just yeah i'm just drawing you know it's just like yeah. oh I'm someone's talking to me i'm just like drawing and so that's where that and then i just like posted that online and for all i knew it was done and then like about a year later i found out that like kids and like anime fans and like fur and furries and whoever this communities i'm just not a part of yeah that sort of like found it and made it their own that's very cool oh yeah very cool very liberating when people sell it that pisses me off but otherwise yeah. like go nuts. that's cool and like go nuts otherwise um but that was like that was on a nap you can tell from the yeah original. yeah you can see the ridges of the napkin my name looks like beanson instead of branson like <laughs> the ridge of the napkin fucks up the r uh that's cool i'm still i'm now charmed and proud of like all right well that's where i come you know i guess i do exist in that tradition mm -hmm. of like yeah, fucking recorded on whatever you know like yeah uh, yeah well it's it's punk as hell it's cool that it's on a yeah. piece of cardboard but um, now I've transitioned entirely to iPad. I do everything on Procreate on the iPad. My I use the oh fuck the ink bleed brush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To and to get just, that organic. I mean, it's very that's very impressive to me because you're still you. it still looks hand drawn. Uh, because I think like a lot of people's first instinct with digital art is to make their stuff very vector graphicsy, like the oatmeal oh, yeah. or something. <laughs> Remember the oh, oatmeal? God, yeah. I remember um, it well. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say anything about that guy, but I'm I'm generally not attracted to that style of uh, that. It really looks artificial in a, a way that world. I find off-putting. It's a big world and it's big enough for a lot of tastes. And that's, mm -hmm. yeah. And, I, you know, I, there's a lot of art that's very popular, a lot of comics that are very popular. And God bless them, but it's not for me, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. And I, but it's like, but great. I shouldn't be the only game in town. That sounds like hell for everyone, myself especially. Like they, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, whatever. Who cares? The uh, we'll just, you know, we'll if you're left of the dial, baby. You know, it's fine. The, uh, but I've done it before. I've tried to. I've experimented with like smooth lines, different mm -hmm. brushes. What would that look like? And like, it just doesn't look like. Do you? Uh, do you? I I'm curious. Are you digital? Do you do hand? I do. I do it by hand. Uh, mm -hmm. just because I'm a Luddite and, uh, I have this, uh, yeah, extreme, extreme distaste for, uh, uh, buying any software or even like even pirating. It feels like an affront to, I shouldn't even have to pirate this. This should be free forever. You know, I, I, I wow, hell yeah. untenable, uh, untenable moral position that is, is mostly just in place. So I don't have to learn anything new. 
Um, oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but the, I, I think another, another reason why I do it is now that we're in the near future, I consider us to be in the near future. Yeah. Uh, that sounds about where we live. Did you ever see the movie her? Oh Yeah. Yeah, and you know how in the movie her Joaquin Phoenix's job is writing beautiful handwritten letters? Yes, yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was such like a a very a very strong observation about where we're at in culture and why I think, you know, your stuff and my stuff is is gaining has gained some measure of popularity because um the ability to affect authenticity in some way through whatever means is there's going to be a higher purchase placed on that as AI becomes uh, more ubiquitous and as sort of knockoff fake looking stuff becomes the norm. There's going to be niche markets for people trying to find something that feels real or feels like it came from a real person. That's a real, I've never thought about that. That's a really interesting I think you're probably dead on there, right? It's like the, if you look at like art, right? Like you can see the day the camera was invented because suddenly we get abstract, we mm -hmm. get impressionism, you know, it's like, well, we don't need art to do that anymore. That's, mm -hmm. it, we got it. That's been covered. Now the camera can do that. And I'm not saying camera isn't art, you know what I mean? Like yeah, painting, yeah. I guess, like visual art. The, um, it, that's it. I've never thought, but it it's like, because I'm going to lose every time, you know, if I try to make that vectory comic about yeah. like relatable things, like I'm going to lose every time. I'm not a relatable person. I, yeah, I'm weird. Like I've it 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 makes me feel so weird anytime somebody relates to a Rona con like Rona. <laughs> like, like, wow, I really relate to Rona. It's like, oh, you should go to the hospital. Yeah, so Rona's very sick. She's 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 very nervous all the time. Her life I, is, I, is terrible. I feel like I'm stealing valor. I don't have anxiety. <laughs> I don't know what that's like. It seems seems awful. It's yeah. fucking awful. I do I'm writing this as a joke. Oh my god. Help yourself, you know? Like I don't <laughs> I'm not writing stuff for people to relate to it. Uh I'll do I'll do the relatable comic every now and then, but I'll it's it's more about, you know, my crushing depression, my deal, my mental health problems, you know. Sure. I, I feel Rona sometimes. I, I feel very Rona. Actually, I guess I feel more like Noel, sort of like aggrieved and a little angry and pissed off at the world. He's such a weird needle to thread in the right, you know, because it's like Swamboy Swamboy. Swamboy started as me. Yeah, it was a it was just an autobiographical comic because I had been doing my daily comics and I quit and I just was like, whoa, I don't know. I don't know what to do with these like 16 hours of free time. I suddenly developed in my day, mm -hmm. you know, like, what do I do? So I started making this and very quickly. I'm talking like second comic quickly. He started just becoming such an exaggerated version of myself that now he's a different guy. Yeah, yeah. And. Meanwhile, Noel and Rona only ever existed to be like, well, they're not like Swambo. You know, it's yeah, like they, is Yeah, they're an opposite character. It's a rule in fiction. You take your your a character who's opposite to your other character so that you can create conflict, right? The, exactly. Or yeah. you can do that what Carl Barks did with like Scrooge McDuck, right? Where it's like you take aspects of Donald and you exaggerate them. Mm -hmm. And then you get Scrooge, who mm -hmm. is the I, I love Donald, but Scrooge is the more compelling character. Because one, you can understand him when he talks. That's like a huge benefit. To him, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also, he's just he is a lot of the shitty things about Donald exaggerated enough and like sort of mm -hmm. pulled even further that Donald starts to become a little vanilla when he's around Scrooge. Mm -hmm. This is well documented. I think it's funny that sort of uh, Scrooge was this uh, sort of libertarian ideal for Karl Barks as well. He he didn't see him yeah. necessarily as. Um, 
expressing Donald's negative values. Like his, it, for Karl Barth, Donald was a striver who he was at, at the beginning yeah. of his life. Whereas uh, Scrooge McDuck represented who he was near the end of his life, sort of this very confident uh, guy who was wealthy and had libertarian politics who made it all on his own. Yeah, and I love Scrooge as a character. Obviously, fuck off, dude. Like, I don't think that's real. You know, it's like, fuck off, Karl Barks. Like, that's, mm -hmm. your politics there are fucking selfish. <laughs> I, I mean, I think they're like, good. I think they're good because of the politics. Sometimes conservatives completely. make very compelling art, you know? Like yeah. uh, John Milius or S. Craig Zoller or someone like that. Oh, yeah. It's not a... And, uh, I mean, we're both very familiar with, like, awful leftist art there's plenty of yeah. that out there too like i've made i've made quite a bit of awful leftist art. <laughs> guilty yeah, yeah. It's, it's your your politics do not they're certainly not morally neutral they're the opposite of moral they're extremely important but mm -hmm. they don't they don't necessarily create yeah good or bad art and and scrooge mcduck is a interesting and satisfying character because the guy making him it wasn't like a simpsons kind of like Oh, we don't agree with Skinner, so everything mm -hmm. he says is going to be wrong. Everything Wiggum says is wrong. Yeah, and that's the joke of them, and it's beautiful. But yeah. like Scrooge is more compelling because the guy believed in it and had to actually, you know, that philosophy doesn't fucking work in reality. Yeah. It doesn't square. It's not internally consistent. And so that actually, it's a very interesting thing to navigate through art. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I, I got away. But from the, our initial point, which is that like. Yeah, a, a huge thing a lot of people do in fiction, and I certainly did with Swan Boy, was I just took two things that Swan Boy doesn't have, which yeah. is like he he's very confident and he's not nervous. And so Rona was born mm -hmm. and he is uh, he's very happy. He's also, you know, he's very joyful. He's not like aggrieved by the modern world. And so Noel was born mm -hmm. <laughs> to be different aspects of him. And also the other weird aspect of Noel is Swan Boy's not normal. He's not like a normal guy. And so also Noel was born because Noel mm -hmm. can just sort of be like a, a straight man. He's a little bit Swan Boy's George Costanza, you know, yeah, it's yeah. Like his lower status friend who struggles more than he does. But yeah, because like, Swan Boy, in a lot of ways, he's a Kramer, but at secretly at his heart, he's a he's a true Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Well, cause he's even Steven. He, he, like everything yeah. just ends up he, like you said, we were talking before he falls off a building. He turns into an accordion and he's fine. Rona falls yeah. off a building. She dies. <laughs> yeah. It, readers, if I push Rona off a building, goodbye. You're not going to see her again, except at a funeral. Like that's it for her. Yeah, but he just he lives. There's a different reality for him. And that's based on like and I said this before, too. Like, I know real guys in my real life who like I have set them on fire because we were dumb kids mm -hmm. and they were fine. Yeah. Now, listeners, you can't do that to don't set your friends on fire. They might <laughs> yeah, nah. turn up in front of you and die. This guy was fine. He just lives that kind of life, you know, like that just it's it's an exaggeration of like how that yeah. is for some people. I think there is like a, we have a fascination with these sort of floating characters, these characters that are able to sort of uh, uh the rules of the real world don't necessarily apply to them. We always aspire to be like them. Um, I'm trying to like uh, maybe like Peter Sellers and being there, uh, some oh, something God, like that. Yeah, what a great example. Yeah, or the, um, Happy Go Lucky by Mike Lee as well. Uh, oh, I've that, never that seen type it. Of character, but yeah, it's it's there. The movie is about a person who is just 
just floats, you know, just it stuff doesn't yeah. apply to them in the way that it applies to us. like the the ruinous nature of the world that gets to us and makes us feel the, the pit in the depths of our souls. You know, some people just doesn't happen to them. And there is a yeah. mixture of frustration. That's why everyone is angry at Swan Boy constantly is because why yeah. are you not angry like us? Why it's the are Frank you Grimes, the yeah. Frank Grimes episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, the, the, it's perfect. Like, why does it live? Why does it like this for you? It's the, yeah. I feel the way that the, the Marx Brothers too, where it's mm-hmm. like they're especially egregious, and that Swan Boy is based very much on them in a lot of ways. But of like, not only they don't live in the Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton world, you know, mm-hmm. like those are humanist. Like those are you know, like, that's humanist art about people who are striving and struggling, mm-hmm. and there are hardships in the world that they have to overcome. And Chaplin is an underdog and. Keaton mm-hmm. is sort of a superhero. Yeah, know? he's always trying to get married, but you know, he has to stop a train with his teeth or something like that. And he does. Like yeah. in real life, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy to watch. But like <laughs> the Marx brothers don't work like that. You know, they are that's an anarchist. I would call that like an anarchist piece of yeah. work. It's like there's no authority whatsoever that they respect. And if they get that authority, they start a war. You know, yeah, they're it's disruptive like they, figures. I think all the time, one of my favorite moments in any movie anywhere is in monkey biz. Yeah. It's monkey business when they're on the ship and they're running from uh security on the ship and they do, there's the well-worn comedic trope of pretending to be a band. They run by a band and they, oh, like, oh they steal their instruments and pretend to be the band, but they suck. They don't know how to play the instruments and it sounds terrible and they're immediately caught that's not, they weren't actually trying to get away. They just thought it would be funny to pretend to be that bad. There's just different, you know what I mean? It's like different consequences for, they just live in a world where you can do that and you yeah. can start a war and it's fine. And like, in a lot of ways, I live in that world. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I should be dead. <laughs> like, I live yeah. in that world. You've fallen off enough buildings, you know? <laughs> you yeah. just accordion, accordioned it out. I've been, I've been, I've been hit by cars and I had it coming, you know, I'm fine. <laughs> so I've been hit by, I went, I was a bike courier for four months mm. and I got hit by three cars and all three of them, I deserved it. <laughs> I mean, I was filming, I mean, this was the days of jackass. I was filming myself and I was like, Hey, I'm Branson Reese. Here's getting hit by a car. And I did it. And I walked away. <laughs> And, you know, uh, I'm sure there's there's some Noel character, there's some Rona character out there who did the same thing and then was in traction for five months. And they're like, oh, yeah, you read about them on the news. And that's why, like, Jackass has to have the warning before mm-hmm. it's like that. Not me. Uh, speaking of the Marx Brothers and sort of th- comedy from the 30s that I think every every sort of cartoonist uh, of our bent sort of has that old timey instinct. Um, oh, Yeah. And uh, I have sort of a broad theory about artists as well, or people who are into animation, where you can really tell a lot about a person versus uh, about, yeah, you can tell a lot about a person based on um, which Looney Tunes animator they like most out of the three of Avery, Clampett, and Jones. Avery, you're angry. Clampett, you're zany. Jones, you're cute. And uh, I see you as a Clampett guy more than anything else. That is so flattering to me. Thank you so much. Yes, of them, he is absolutely my fa- all my favorite Warner Brothers shorts are his. Uh, I uh, you know, look, I love Avery. Love, oh, yeah, love. Great. you know, Avery's on my uh, my Mount Rushmore of guys along with Clampett. Uh, yeah, and and my sentence ends there. Like you know, like Jones is a master. He's done mm-hmm. incredible stuff. I love him, but like he's not my guy. 
Yeah, I know. He's he's my guy. I like the cute. The cute is me. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, the I just love his character designs too. I always point to in uh, uh, the the Daffy Duck Sherlock Holmes one. Oh uh, God, all yeah. Those British British character designs are like the best things so I've cruel. ever seen. Yeah. yeah. And his takes for sure. I mean, like he's got an incredible with, you know, whereas uh, Avery will go so big with takes, mm-hmm. he'll go so small. And that's such a great comedic instinct. And Yeah. Well, I mean, look, the, yeah, the guy's a master. That's so interesting. I would have I would have guessed. I would have guessed Avery for you because because of the anger, because of the deep seated <laughs> rage. <laughs> <Maybe> that's why. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's bubbling underneath. Um, yeah, I, I think. uh I think Avery is good, but it, it is sort of that 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 really intense, also very sort of uh, heterosexual nature of Avery's cartoons. Extremely, this really, yeah, yeah, incredibly heterosexual. But there's a little there's a little bit of queerness to Chuck Jones, you know. There's a little bit a little bit of gay in there. And, oh, that's true. Yeah, that, and I, I I'm I I dread uh, discovering the sexuality of Clampett. <laughs> yeah, like omnisexual. Like, yeah, yeah. He was into inflation stuff before anybody had a name for it. Or, or I think he like, like would have been. You know what I mean? If yeah, he had yeah. lived long enough, I do think he would have like been welcomed into certain communities that did, just didn't exist in the 30s. Mm-hmm. That's such an yeah. Because Avery is just like, um, oh god, fuck, I forgot who. This is not my term, but he is a wooga core. <laughs> you know a, a wooga co- yeah yeah it's all but you know i like that stuff too because I, I i like it when aggressively horny cartoons i love ralph bakshi for the same reason i was about to say bakshi yeah, yeah he's big time a wooga core yeah yeah cool world is like cool world is like a scene or two away from just being hardcore porn yeah and it's fine like man that was a show i did you ever uh end up watching spicy city no uh, I don't think I even know Spicy. What is that? It's Ralph Bakshi's softcore porn that he wrote with his son that came out in the mid nineties. It's and it like <laughs> six episodes of really good, high quality animation. Also filled with all the other stuff that Bakshi uh, was known like racist caricatures as well, of course, but reappropriating of that. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of I, I think those those uh, Awuga course uh, things are also refreshing in. Uh, media landscape that has sort of turned the dial back on open sexuality and turned the dial back on yeah. sort of that type of aggressiveness. I think going back to those and like just watching as something as fucked up as coonskin, you know, it's like, wow, yeah, there's something, there's something to this, you know, you gotta, uh, I don't know. Maybe you don't got to hand anyone anything, but the, <laughs> you know, this, the swing is the swing and it's a big swing. And I, I don't, from what I know of actually, I don't doubt the the good intention there. Same, speaking of Clampett, it's like, you know, look at like Cole Black or something, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't doubt that that was made with good intentions and that that mm-hmm. was made. And it's like a bummer. It's sort of, it's a bummer how good Cole Black is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, I don't want to, uh, it's racist, but it's like this foundational piece of animation. It's, it's, it's very well done. It's just it, the the cornerstone of the building is misaligned. Yeah. You know, it's like, but the building was built well. Like, it's, uh, I don't think he was a hateful person. Yeah. I don't think he, I mean, he worked with, 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 you know, he worked with like actual like black actors on it and like, yeah. like musicians on it. Like, I do think the intent was good there, but I think the work speaks for itself and it's yeah. just like, uh, oh boy. But even so, you know, um, all the censored, some of the censored 11 were made with malice in their heart. You know, you absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. 
I think but, Chris Freeling especially like has something to answer for when he you know went to his reward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I speaking of the censored eleven, um, there there and and you know the the general sort of bent in culture now to get rid of the rough edges of the past or to sort of change yeah. things up. I always like that disclaimer at the beginning of the Centered Eleven where it said none of this is edited or none of this is uh, because whitewashing it would only serve to pretend it didn't exist, which is in itself another form of perpetuating that same racism, you know? Yeah, I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. Or maybe there's a better way. I just can't think of it. But that of the ways I've seen, that seems like the absolute best way to do it is just show it. And show it with a disclaimer, and then there you go, and let people be adults about it, you know? Yeah, because there's now this trend of, like, re-editing Roald Dahl books to make them, uh, which which seems to be a disservice to just historical preservation in general. Like, you shouldn't do this because it's, like, uh, it's sort of saying that Roald Dahl wasn't racist, or there's a way to make this stuff not racist, where that's an endemic part of the literature that you have to deal with, you know? It's a very... It's I, I hate when shit like that happens. It's like, don't you fucking dare. Don't. How dare you make me agree with these like cancel culture guys? Mm-hmm. Like, how fucking <laughs> dare you make me like, no, fuck that. No, this like the fucking Ricky Gervaises of the world. Like, don't you dare put me on their team for anything like but it, it's like, don't edit it. Good Lord. Yeah. Like that, it, that felt like something that's uh, like a fever dream of one of these guys of like they're editing the Rel doll books, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. They're taking out all of the all of the references to pygmies and Willy Wonka. They're, they're taking it, out yeah. Prince Pondicherry chapter. They're taking that whole chapter out. <laughs> the boy, the, they're not bully. They don't bully him with the swan wings and boy anymore. <laughs> but boy I, would be like four sentences long. Yeah, without all the problematic stuff yeah. in it. Um, I heard an interesting counter to this from from uh, the greatest poster of all time, Joyce Carol Oates. Um, oh, do tell. She, she had a she had an interesting take, which I hadn't really heard before. She said, if it's something like a name or something, she, and she was using the example of H.P. Lovecraft of like mm-hmm. how he like H.P. Uh, Lovecraft would, you know, frequently the only thing that is identifiably racist about uh, an H.P. Lovecraft story, other than, you know, the undercurrent of xenophobia sure. is uh some char- a character or like an animal will have uh, an inappropriate name, like a uh-huh. word, you know, something like that. And she said, if you just change the name and like nothing else about the underlying narrative, it's not that bad. You know, if my work and she used an example, if my work eventually proved to be problematic in this fashion and you didn't only names were changed or something like that, I wouldn't necessarily see a problem with editing it, which I thought was eh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. It, well, it's it, also it, it's like. I I guess what do I know it seems like well I mean one okay somebody having like the n-word for a name or something like in a book that doesn't affect me in the way it affects another person yeah you know like what do I fucking like that's none of my you know it's like Mm -hmm. that's I guess not my call I guess but if she wants to do that you know fine you know like okay Mm -hmm. but I, I don't know it feels like Put the disclaimer in front. I don't know. The disclaimer, yeah, just, the disclaimer really is well. fine. Why not just put the censored 11 disclaimer is like, this sucks. The views are wrong, but to edit it would be uh, pretending it never existed. Because I do. I think that's like the problem is the editing. It, it Then it creates this weird 
narrative you know mm -hmm. it creates this weird narrative of like you know this like oh the first thanksgiving we were all you know getting along and then like and then i don't know what i don't know where those guys went i don't know it's just, then it was just pilgrims weird yeah. like, you know like that like <laughs> that because that's like how it was taught to me mm -hmm. early on you know and then later on you know i think I, I do think it's a little bit overblown sometimes that when people talk about like why didn't we learn this shit in school it's like mm -hmm. what school did i learned a lot of this shit in school i I don't know. I remember I remember learning about a lot of fucked up stuff we did in school. Not everything. We yeah. could learn more, but uh but yeah, I think that's the the the, the Disney Plus, right? Mm -hmm. There's a million shorts that just aren't on Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. Cuz they're just not going to put them on because it's Disney can't really do that. They I say can't. They can't, they could. Yeah. But you know, the Disney machine won't allow that disclaimer cuz mm -hmm. it's it's very unfortunate. It's very I painful for their bottom line i guess mm -hmm. to show a gag where mickey mouse is in blackface mm -hmm. even though fuck it look at him <laughs> yeah yeah he's it's always in blackface the, yeah, yeah. He's an extension of minstrelsy it's very painful but like I, I, you know he's already the your theme park is shaped like him already <laughs> yeah. it's too it's in the it's in the bones it's in the dna of everything you do so I, just put the disclaimer don't instead of this weird polka that we're dancing with each other like where we pick and choose of like, okay, Mickey's trailer mm. is okay, but like Pluto's day at the office or whatever, Donald Duck gets stung by a bee. That's not okay. You know, yeah. like it's a very, just put the disclaimer. I'm not I mean, saying Disney, this stuff is uh, yeah. Disney also has a hard time because they're like the moral paragon company. They're like the, yeah. uh, they're the godhead of Christendom for America. Right. So they have an especially hard time, like, navigating that image of what they were before and what they're now becoming, which is this sort of mass inclusive sort of thing, adopting woke capitalism in order to increase yeah. their bottom line, which is butting up against their history of being a very conservative company for, for most of their run. Including now they are, yeah. they remain a very conservative, you know, like what, like whatever, like woke capitalism is not a unconservative movement you know mm -hmm. like materially uh but like isn't it nice I, this sort of brings it back like isn't it nice to live where we live on this and like sort of be the fleischer's equivalent in this equation yeah yeah well of, like or the flight or even warner bros and you know what the big difference is there jews <laughs> that's the big difference they were they allowed jewish guys to make the cartoons and so i think i think also like when you're a jewish guy and like you're someone like mel blank or frailing frailing wasn't jewish was he i don't know i don't uh, think I, but yeah. But even so, yeah, Fleischers were Jewish. Uh, there were Jewish people employed at Warner Brothers, which I think, you know, there's a reason why that comedy is sort of um, sharper and more, um, a little more uh, edgy and aggressive, like, oh, say, yeah. the Marx Brothers were. Um, yeah. Because when you're on the outside of something, you know, there's less pressure on you to to be part of that mainstream line. So you you can experiment and be anti-authoritarian. And um, so, yeah, it's it's great to be. Uh, it is great to be that to to already be on the outside. So there's no pressure. Uh, yeah. You don't have to. And it's very it's, you know, speak candidly about myself. It's like. It's only my philosophy and politics that keep me here yeah. on the outside, you know, like otherwise I, I could at any moment, you know, just like join the parade of America, you know, like, yeah. I could, it is for me and I don't want to act like I don't like benefit from that. I do every mm -hmm. day, but like, but philosophically, fuck that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, and this is where we talked about earlier of like, 
one thing to say it and it's another thing to live it. And, and so it's like, so if you ever see me uh, driving a Rolls Royce around, <laughs> you'll know that this, that you'll know what my limits were, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, you say you could do it, but I don't think I even could do it. Like I tried pandering. I tried doing more mainstream pandering earlier in my life or yeah, even with I like, mean, even pandering with like leftist political comics. I would early in my cartooning sure. career, I was doing like leftist political comics and I go back at them. These are, these are terrible. Cause it, it wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to do gay Looney tunes and sure. Yeah. And in, but I was suppressing that because I felt that, Oh, this is what people are consuming now. I was turning my mind almost capitalistically towards the idea of fulfilling a market of leftist political commentary, which corrupted it from its very beginning. It made the cartoons bad because it, it wasn't like um, it wasn't expressing something honest. Well, people know the difference between like, and I have no problem with political cartoons either. There's a lot that I love. Yeah, as, if they're like. honest and, you know, you come yeah. by your opinions by yourself and not because you're just repeating what you heard on Chapo Trap House last week, which is what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, I completely, I'm very sympathetic to that. It's like, but people know the difference too between like something that's strongly felt and just like a, a sort of slept walk through like mm -hmm. a polemic or something you know it's like it's not it's not engaging mm -hmm. it's not interesting and I, I i hope it's clear too it's like i'm never gonna i don't actually think artistically i could yeah. do it <laughs> yeah. i don't think it would be it would just be bad you know yeah. it would be whatever but like but i just mean to say that like I, I you know i'm i'm stress i she's i'm cis i'm straight i'm i'm white i'm a male like yeah. i'm it, like I just, it's all for me, you know, and I do mm -hmm. benefit every day from all of this. I, I'm not going to act like I don't or try to, you know, or try to be like, well, you know, quarter <laughs> Greek and in, in 1901, that would have really meant something like, <laughs> no, none of that. Like, of course, of course, like I, I, there are emperors, there are emperors from years past who have like harder lives than I have now, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I'm living pretty I'm living pretty. I got a, mm -hmm. I got a very good and easy life for a lot of things that I didn't earn. Mm -hmm. uh, that's all I mean when I say that. <laughs> but like artistically, no, I always, 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 always 10 times, a hundred times out of a hundred, I'm going to not choose the Disney. Uh, but I also think there is just like something about your style or something about our, our styles in general are unmonetizable to the mainstream. You know, we, we've effectively precluded ourselves from joining the mainstream parade just just by the very nature of the line itself. It doesn't look like that Memphis corporate style that's so popular just because it's not clean. It's intentionally. I mean, that's why I love free jazz music so much i i like yeah. I, I was a, i was an improv uh composition major in college and i oh got my God, really were you really Sunra. yeah yeah like sunra yeah yeah huge i'm huge sunra guy i i love you know all of the uh, uh i love last exit i love sunny Chirac, who i got into because he wrote the oh, space God. ghost coast to coast theme song yeah and um that was like a big window into into free improvised music and part of what I loved about it was that it is entirely resistant to capitalism. You cannot use it to sell anything because uh, yeah. it's very nature of me. The very nature of it is designed to make you think about weird shit and to lose your shit. Right. It's it's not you can't buy you. You, it, you can't have a, 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 a Twinkies commercial with going on in the background, you know? God, yeah, it's arresting. It is. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't put you in the mood to buy. Yeah, that and is a. That's beautiful. 
Yeah. And that's, I mean, like, could you imagine like a house of decline, like healthcare service ad? You know? like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it might get to that. Who knows? You know, I'm not saying that I'll never sell out. Sure. Um, and I think, you know, there are even like doing NFTs. Like I have a friend who is into NFTs. I had an opportunity to do them when I could have probably made a decent chunk of change off of them. The only thing that stopped me from doing them was knowing my audience would murder me if I, if I did that stuff. <laughs> like I it's like it was not worth shedding the the people that I had already got on my side to do it. But in terms of like whether I'm scrupulous enough to actually uh, go through with my with my supposedly uh, anti-capitalist rhetoric when when there's money to be had, good money to be had, I don't know if I could resist that potentially. I mean, I charge for things, you know? It's like, yeah. I, 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 we all gotta live in, I think like any reasonable adult understands like we all gotta live in the world together. Yeah. I try to be moral in how I do it. I try to be fair to people. I try not to rip off fans. Yeah, you especially. try to jam a cono as much as possible. Any, whenever possible. It's like, look, if I don't like someone, I'm, I'm, working for not because of a personal thing but because of like what they stand for but i got to take the money i'm gonna bleed them you know mm -hmm. it's like I'll, I'll get it there i guess and then if i'm working with someone who i dig or i or i respect what they're doing i'm gonna give them the best deal i can afford to give them mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm i know you're the same way you know it's oh like yeah i i like i mean it's also probably a function of the relative privilege that i i grew up in uh as well that i feel like i can undercharge people if it makes the art more accessible somehow oh yeah and it's it's a weird dance because i'm the same way of course yeah. i'm the same way you know you're middle class i'm fine yeah. I'm like the well, you know worse comes to worse there is a, a couch somewhere that my parents have that i could go sleep on you know it's like i'll be okay it's mm -hmm. it's it could could be fine but the uh, uh yeah fuck, sorry i've like lost the, the well, thread a little bit there do you know do you yeah, know Derek ballard I think I, that name is familiar. He's a cartoonist on the internet. I like, I love his stuff a lot. He does like sort of these scratchy, but very like um, his line is very uh, deliberate. And so it has a roughness, but also like the, this uh, good inherent sense of composition. He does very like ranty dad comics. And he okay. had a post recently about how um, I think something happened to him on Instagram where he said that most people that, uh, can do graphic novels have some sort of support or ne network system you know for mm -hmm. people that come from a working class background you don't necessarily have that freedom to uh, do that kind of work and i recently produced a graphic novel that was done um partially just off of the savings that i had had from the previous job that i had quit um and also i was on unemployment for a while and at first i was very angry at this day i didn't say anything because i don't i don't try not to argue on the internet i was very mad i was like what are you saying i have pro i i struggle and then i realized oh no he's right i have my support network i have my mom which will help pay for stuff uh, if stuff ever gets too if stuff ever gets too bleak but i yeah i think there's that sort of like yeah uncertainty when you do come from that sort of middle class background of should i be charging more for this you know what is my what is my obligation? Should I be like Fugazi and only charge $5? You know, do I have the ability to do that? Is that smart to do? If I advise other people who come from working class backgrounds about doing it this way or like working for free or, or providing yeah. stuff for free, am I doing them a disservice? Because, you know, I inherently have um, a, a more of a network or more money behind me that I can exploit, you know. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think there are these sort of moral considerations with like, how much you need to be willing to charge for art or how 
It's uh, interesting. I, yeah. I I didn't see this post. I must I missed this entirely. I don't disagree. Yeah. But, you know, it's like yeah, and it's like obviously I don't want to. You know, the the game of like who's had it the hardest. Like that calculus is like not very interesting to me one way or the other. But just because it's like eventually, I guess one guy wins. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually there is someone who's had it the hardest, and I we didn't. But like. I certainly struggled. I've had no money and I've had nowhere to go and I've lost my apartment and I've had no place to live. You know, it's like, yeah. I've had, it's been bad. And I wasn't, I certainly wasn't making comics when that was happening, you know, and like certainly struggling with my own personal and substance stuff. Like at the, t- you know, like it's been very bad. I do it now. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, actually it is. Cause I'm lucky. Mm-hmm. It is. Cause I have advantages that not everyone has. And it's like, at least I can do is try to help other people. Yeah. Try to that's do that what, that's what you do and, like, is you try and raise other people's profile in order to compensate for your immense sense of luck guilt. Yeah. Well, and it's also when I talk about it, I just, it's like, well, I just got to keep my side of the street clean. You know, it's like, all right, I just got to do right by me and then not tell other, it's like, well, Jesus, I get, why, why would I, why would I ever tell somebody who's like financially like struggling or destitute, like what to do why would they fucking listen to me like, yeah you know, yeah like, you shouldn't listen i'm i'm fucking swan boy you shouldn't listen to swan boy's advice yeah, you, you know well, it's like for god these are all like middle class guy you know yeah. it's like or maybe even more like i don't actually know something like glover park dc is like yeah. a really nice neighborhood you know it's like that's like okay so yeah they can do five dollars and so they did they're not wrong to do it yeah they just were in a unique opportunity to do it one that you know was partially born out of luck and uh, well, maybe entirely born out of luck as well. But um, if you are in a situation where you can undercharge to make your art more accessible, that's always good to do it. If you aren't, you should charge a good amount. If you, a good amount for it. Yeah. Well, there's also I've thought of this a lot too, of like with commissions, especially. Yeah. Like, I don't want to undercut struggling artists. Yes, that's also I, a consideration as well. It's it's a lot. It's a lot to think about, which is why usually my commissions are off. Mm-hmm. It's just like not because I make on other things. I mm-hmm. make, you know, I have a Swan Boy TV show, podcasts that make money. Like, I'm very lucky in those regards that those happen to be things that connected with just enough people that I can live comfortably and morally. You mm-hmm. know, that's a, it's, God, it's fucking, it's tricky, you know? Yeah, it's fucking. And the other thing with being an artist, especially like a cartoonist, is that there is no set path. Like, it's almost difficult to get advice from people because it's like, well, I did it this way. Well, I did it this way, and it was a completely different way. So, yeah, you just have to sort of... It's about finding your audience, which is always like this weird truffle pig sort of process where you're always rooting around in dirt and trying to find the people who are receptive to your stuff. And it's also... And it's like, if you're making anything that's interesting and dangerous and not just like a repetitive and just like guaranteed to succeed because you're... You know, because of the mm-hmm. you've cynically like, you know, people don't go poor underestimating, pe- you know, you don't go broke mm-hmm. underestimating the American public like that yeah. kind of shit. Like, all right, if you want to do that, do that. Well, fine, whatever. Sleep on your money at night. That's good for you. But like if you're trying to do something interesting. It's a little tricky taking advice from people because they're going to tell you how to do what they did. And that's that's done. Yeah. So that's it. Tough yeah, shit, you, no, you have to do what you do. Yeah, you have to navigate it. Not, by, I mean, you can get help from people. You should uh, obviously get help from people, but it's hard to it's hard to model yourself off of another's path. Yeah, it's a uh, that's a yeah. I guess you can do help, but at a certain point, it's got to be your own. Yeah, you got to make your own choices on it. Uh, the Swan Boy TV show. It's on Hulu. People it's watch on this Hulu. One. Yeah, on FX. What was the? Because that seems amazing. That's astonishing to me that a web comic got, and it's happening more and more. 
Yeah, stuff from the internet, like Smiling Friends was a big coup because it felt like Newgrounds culture had finally arrived into some that sort of mainstream cool recognition. Watch. Or I think the poorly drawn lines guy has a, he's got a, a We were both on cake together. Yeah, it was very yeah. cool to be on with them. Uh, we uh, Simon Hanselman, uh, Mega Hex got a there's yes. an animated short. Oh like, really? Uh, yeah. Simon Hanselman is so fucking good. So cool. Talk about another person who's like talent makes me angry. I know, I, and those backgrounds. Uh, and Simon You're did all the gorgeous. backgrounds for the short too, so it's like beautiful to look at. Gorgeous. It's is Very it watercolors? Cool. I think. so. So I, I don't want, wow, what do I, I'll say yes. And then if I'm yeah, wrong. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> That's what it's you fine. get for listening to me. Uh, it looks like watercolors to me. The uh, It's cool. It's a very, it's very short. It's like three minutes long, but it's a very cool, very cool short. It's very mm -hmm. true to the look and spirit of the comics. Uh, yeah, that was crazy. That was like getting that and being offered that was like. What was the process? Did you pitch to them or did they no, just get an email one day? My friend Katie Skelton, extremely talented filmmaker, um, had like met with FX about something. I came up in the meeting and then they reached out to me and mm. they were like, oh, we, he wouldn't want to. I don't know what they'd said about us. And she was like, oh, I know my friend. He's he'll work with he's destitute. Like he'll work with you. <laughs> uh, and so, but you know, I'd, even if I wasn't, I would have been happy to work with them. And they reached out and I, I like couldn't believe it. It's still shocking to me that they. They reached out and they, you know, we developed, we were developing for a very long time to be part of Cake, which is this like a uh, variety show that on mm -hmm. FX. And uh, they, I got to pick my animation studio. Hell yeah. They were like, we have some studios, but it, you know, who, who do you want? Mm -hmm. Go nuts. And I was like, are you fucking kidding? I was a kid in a candy shop. And so I got like wine and dine by different studios, but I got to work with my top choice. The one I wanted to work with Augenblick Studios. Augenblick Studios, the great Augenblick, Ugly Americans, a show that looks great, but the script is not so good. <laughs> uh, beautiful show. The it's Super a, yeah. Jail. They did the animated segment of the 10, which is the first yeah. thing I ever saw of theirs that I love. The oh, Wonder yeah, we, Chosen. Uh, Wonder Chosen. Oh my God. I love Wonder Chosen so much. So cool. And they're everyone there rule. I mean, that's like that was a dream come true working with I'm like friends with them now, you know, like the PFR guys. Not or, the PFR the guys, guys. The the Augenblick guy, the Augenblick yeah. studio guys. They're the um they they're different than PFR, but they worked with PFR, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. close with them. But they um it's just incredible. It's like all these people there who's like, oh my god, you're the you did this. And now we're talking. And now yeah. you're making Swan Boy move. You know, these incredibly talented people there. I admire you intensely. And you, me, you've selected me as the bell of the ball. We, and we talked a lot about line weight too. They were like, yeah. these lines, uh, how do you do this? And I was like, All right, I showed them. I was like, do that. And they were like, okay, cool. That's amazing. This is never going to move in animation. Unless, <laughs> unless you want it to look like Ed, Ed and Eddie. That was the thing. It's like Ed, Ed and Eddie. That is a show because the line weight, every drawing, it's just like yeah. different. And so it's moving around. And so it, it sort of vibrates and bumps and everything. But it's also only been done by one show. And so it's going to look like Ed, Ed, and Eddie mm -hmm. if we do that. And I was like, yeah, I'd rather not. And so initially, we were just going to do smooth lines for it. Mm -hmm. We are just going to do small. And I was like, that's fine. You look at like Duckman, you know, it's like you can still look rough. And it doesn't automatically make it look like Family Guy. Yeah. To have smooth lines and Katie, there's an incredibly talented character designer. Katie went at Augenblick. She even she did a breakdown with Noel, where she was like, "Here is Noel the way you draw him, yeah, and here's if Noel was on Family Guy, 
and we sort of <laughs> we went through and it was this like evolution of man kind of thing as he got smoother and smoother <laughs> and we found this way to sort and i'm very happy with how he looked on the show you know how everyone looked on the show of like how to make it look like i drew it mm-hmm. but also make it so it could move and look good you know and, yeah. and their heads could turn without it being like a guernica whenever their heads turn you know like, <laughs> yeah yeah a sort of off offbeat you know fourth dimensional swan boy turning well, it's, all, it's like a, you know it's been influences earlier it's like the probably first one i had when i was a little kid is like pablo picasso and like cubism you know yeah. so it's like one of the ways i learned how to draw is uh it's not good for form you know it's not good for learning <laughs> I wasn't learning from his like earlier periods when he was like rendering the human form correctly. I was like, I was learning from Guernica and shit, you know, it's like, that's, but, but so that's tough to make that move in the space. And I got to work with them on that. It was very cool, very eye opening. And then we discovered uh, part of the way through the process, there was a way to keep my line consistent. And so mm-hmm. we did that. How cool, you know, this fucking yeah. Thing. what a dream come true to like problem solve in this way with people that I like look up to and admire, like revere. Oh Yeah. Um, uh, earlier on this podcast, uh, we had on Keith John Stack, who's an uh, animation director at Augenblick. He does the uh, Leslie and Brienne comic. Keith worked on Augenblick. Keith is a dream. I love Keith. He, amazing, wonderful guy. Can't wonderful say guy. enough good Incredibly things. Incredibly talented guy. He did. He did a lot of work on Swan Boy, and a big part of the reason it looked as good as it did is because of Keith. So mm-hmm. thank you, Keith. Shout out! Shout out to Keith John Stack and uh, the Leslie and Brienne series. We love them. We so love good. them very much. Um, yeah, Algon looks, yeah, Super Jail. What an amazing show. A show that not only looks great, but is like, I love the scripts to it as well. Uh, yeah, very fun. I gotta jump back to Keith for a second, though, too, because speaking of what we were doing earlier of like finding an audience, yeah, the Leslie and Brienne comics have a massive audience. And look at it, I mean, talk about a dude who's like not sacrificed anything, yeah, that he just pulls that shit straight out of his id. And routinely, I'm just watching these things blow up, and it's like good for him for finding an audience of like sickos and freaks out there. Yeah, but also like it's also very heartening for me to watch like a cis straight guy like do queer comics that are very mm-hmm. successful with a queer audience because it's like it, there's always this hemming and hawing of like how do we portray people that are not from you know our specific point of view or yeah. that are not a part of our identity categories. And I think people worry about doing that a lot. Where, oh, uh, whereas, that. no, as long as you're sort of like gentle and humanistic about it, you can you shouldn't feel bad about trying to portray people from uh, groups that you're not a part of. Well, you can always tell, too, like the very like liberal kind of, you know, where yeah. it's, it's like we've been very gentle about this. Don't worry. This character has no personality whatsoever, good or bad. Yeah, we've been careful. You know, it's like, well, fuck you. That's so that's very condescending and insulting. Yeah, it's like a, yeah, a, the gay character in Avengers Endgame who's played by Joe Russo or whatever. And he's like, oh, God, yeah, the one character. And he's just at the uh, at the bereavement uh, group. Uh, wow, what, and what a but, love wins. Yeah. Um, yeah. The sort of the 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 flawless. I, I, I'm not, I've heard this gay Mary Sue thing. But I haven't seen a lot of examples of it. Are there examples of like gay Mary Sue's in current literature that are like? Uh, uh, oh, I don't know. I just mean like when you see uh, art that is the product of somebody who is so nervous about hurting anybody's feelings. Yes, or, yeah. And then it's just like it's just dead on arrival. It's just smooth. Um, it gets smoothed out like Noel over the over the course yeah, of the Family God. Guy uh, Family it Guy was, process. To look at it and imagine this being a timeline of like. <laughs> 
the show is like so disheartening to think of it on those terms. But obviously, I mean, like Katie presented it to me and she was like, this family guy, Noel cannot happen. Like, you know, yeah. like this, I agree with you. This is a, this, this must not be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, what I'm trying to think of like, what's the worst looking uh, show on TV? Uh, oh God. It's gotta be that like paradise PD stuff or that, that brickle air to brickle yeah. stuff is like a really not good looking animation. I'm pretty comfortable talking, you know, like I live in this world and industry. I don't want to make enemies, but fuck yeah. that. that stuff's so ugly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not into it them. And, you know, God I, yeah. bless the people. They work hard on it. I'm sure it's, you know, they put a lot of effort. It's got an audience, clearly, but um, that's not how I would, that's not how I would make something myself. The look of, and I'm being very specific, the look of Big Mouth is very much not for me. Yes. The show itself and the writing, I did no, but whatever. That's fine. The look of it really could not appeal to me less. Yeah, it's something about the something about the pupils, the, the like the the thick, almost anime moments. style pupils. Yeah, yeah. It, there, there's something off about it. I, I almost respected in how deliberately unappealing it seems to be made. It's uh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty rough. Yeah, and and you know, good, uh, wish a long life to whatever the whoever designed those those characters, but not not my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. No, no. I mean, I think you see a lot of frustration at Big Mouth uh, from other people in the animation industry who've had you know shows canceled after one season, but it's mystifyingly, very, yeah. this one is still on the air after five. I don't know if it's because it's like a huge ratings hit or if it's because. Nick Kroll has enough money to keep it going. I think it adds eh, probably a little column A, probably a little column B. Yeah. And a lot of this stuff though feels like, you know, when they they you know, when the fat cats pit the working class against each other. Not that television writers are work the working class, but you know what I mean. <laughs> they though. are the work they they're in the television mines, you know, they're getting the TV <laughs> lung. <laughs> just, Johnny Paycheck is coming, he's he's playing take this job and shove it. God, uh, it, they're like a Velma or something. That's like the hip one that yeah. everyone hates on now. Is it's like Velma did not get these shows canceled. Velma is not. It's, yeah. it's executives making these decisions dispassionately, just looking at numbers while they do it. It's not. It's got nothing to do with these shows. That whether they're good or bad is is ultimately important, but immaterial to this conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's not bad. If I had an opportunity to make a show like with an unlimited budget, what I would try and model it after is uh venture bros. You know, that's what I would sure. want it to look like, but and, that was like how long that takes to make, too, you know? It's yeah. Like, that took like 80 years, years between seasons. seasons yeah. It's and, and great. I had nothing bad to say about venture, Bros. incredible show, cool looking show, very cool, like type of design, this like very fun, sort of like adult swim update on these like Hanna-Barbera designs. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. And that's what we we're saying with like um with Onstat earlier. It's like and really there's a really nice like communion between the writing and the style. They really work hand yeah. in hand. They they serve each other. Yeah. And, and I'm curious how you because I, I feel that in your comics, I feel like the the writing and the art really serve each other very well. They seem like a piece, you know? Yeah. Well, kind of like actually one of one of my uh Clarion uh, or one of my uh, one of my big ideas for what a joke should be or for uh -huh. what I think is a funny joke or what I want to write is, is very much inspired by a post that you wrote one time. And I think it went something Whoa. along the lines of like uh, it was somebody spying in a mailbox, but somebody then takes their pants, somebody spying through a mail slot, but then somebody uh -huh. removes their pants through the mail slot. 
And I don't oh, know. Oh yes, even... I do. I think I do remember this. Yeah, yeah. it was like a a horror movie kill, right? He's like yeah. he's looking through the eye slot, and you're like, oh, he's gonna get stabbed through the eye. Yeah. And instead, the mail slot opens up, and he gets his dick ripped off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That one exactly. Uh, it, but that's like such like that to me is like the root of a joke. Forget about politics. It's just sure. something something you expect to happen, then it doesn't. You know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And that's the to me beyond politics or or uh, what I'm doing uh, emotionally. I want to do that more than anything else. Create these situations that are applicable everywhere. Yeah. Uh, that anyone could possibly understand and laugh at in that Looney Tunes way where it's also, I think, you know, comics are always better when there's some sort of uh, the visual element is justified when there is some sort of action happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, not always better. I mean, like sometimes very dialogue heavy stuff is very funny as well. Um, but even then, uh, but even then, I think it's justified. Even then, mm -hmm. I think it's like King of the Hill, I think of is the television example of this mm -hmm. of like. Uh, I, I'm not agreeing what I'm about to say, but like with what I'm about to say, but I'm to illustrate a point. It's like, yeah. there's no reason King of the Hill needs to be animated. You yeah. know, like they, their eyes don't bulge out of their sockets. You know, they don't get like hit by cars and shit. Like it's, it could be live action, but it must be, it actually must be animated. Yes. You know, and this is what I do agree with is because they need to look that way. They need to look grotesque in that very specific Mike judge way. Mm -hmm. They need Bobby needs to never grow old so that he can be 10 cons or 13, however yeah. old he is, like constantly throughout the show. It does need to be animated. You know, Dale yeah. needs to look the way he does for specific reasons, even though it isn't necessarily like taking advantage of the form in the way that well, like, yeah. clamp it cartoon is. I think it's because of that phenomena of universalization that happens when you simplify a face and make it, the, there's a passage in, uh, Oh, is this the Scott McCloud, right? Yeah. And, and understanding yeah. comics, which I think is very illustrative, like why cartoons work or why simplified cartoons work, where if you mm -hmm. make something more detailed than the person is saying it, then it comes off as more intense and more specific. But if you mm -hmm. slowly remove details from that face, that character becomes more relatable. And I think part of what went into King of the Hill was trying to depict Southern people as essentially human when there are sort of like a yeah. lot of negative press against Southern people, especially if they're coming from like Hank Hill is a Republican in the show. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, Mike Judge wants you to not necessarily judge, uh, I say judge, he doesn't want you to appreciate these characters on that, um, you know, level of prejudice that you would necessarily have towards a Southern Republican. And I think, you know, depicting them as cartoons and sort of simplifying them and not making them real makes them more relatable. You can, because yeah, Hank wow, Hill is yeah. a more generic face, you can project yourself onto Hank Hill. Whereas if it were a real guy, it would be more specific and maybe more intense. That's that's very that's very well put. That's very that's very true too. I think of that all the time when I'm drawing comics. It's like when I when I'm adding more detail, it's, it's for a reason. You know, mm -hmm. it's like uh, I'm I'm not the most talented artist, but like I'll I'll push it if it helps the joke. You know. Yeah. I'll I'll move into a different art style that I'm not as comfortable in. If that's what the joke. I just did one where they're like they're playing like a Ravensburger like board game. Yeah. And I was like, well, the art needs to be different. That one took me. 10 times as long as yeah. Swan Boy because it's like, it needs to look different. It needs to look not like them. You know, mm -hmm. I just did one where they're like Rona's finding posts on something awful. And it's like, that took a long time to make it look like something <laughs> You awful. edited the something awful post. Yeah, like because it needs to look, it needs to pop in a different way, you know? Mm -hmm.
Yeah, where where the where the visual style is necessary for the joke. Like one one time I had like a painting about uh, a, I, I had to draw a bunch of Goya paintings because I had backed myself into a joke. <laughs> Good where, luck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had I had to draw a bunch of Goya paintings. So I, I had to change that. Up. Or, you know, the I always a joke that I frequently do. I've done more than once is like when one of your simplified characters encounters a realistic character. They do that in oh, the Simpsons, yeah. where it's like, they're going to be pigskin, four fingered freaks. And then he sees Bart and Lisa rendered realistically, and it's terrifying. It's, I love that. Sh- it's a, yeah. I mean, look, that's about politics and art, and this is a very fraught show, but like South Park will sometimes get a lot of mileage out of the fact that all of the kids look exactly the same without yeah. their like hats on, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it's like that, it's fun. It's good. It's that's a fun way to like play with the form you know and like it's a uh, it's i had to do one recently where rona it was like the art needed to be a specific way rona was describing phone calls that guys had made and they were unsophisticated <laughs> and so they were describing asses right but they were doing it poorly and mm-hmm. so I, I was like oh my god i backed myself into a real corner here i need <laughs> these need to look worse than my usual art style <laughs> that was like the tallest order i've ever had it's like how do I make it look worse than Swan Boy? Like, uh, I can, we could, I could try. You know? uh, yeah, I don't know. yeah, I could draw with your left hand or something like that. That's when, like, the Ralph Steadman info is like, okay, we're gonna get real sloppy. We're gonna use the biggest, like, stinkiest brush we got, you know, to just like, spill <laughs> ink all over. Um, I see you're wearing you're wearing an O's cap. Oh yeah, hell yeah! This love is, the O's. This is our season, baby. It's it's the see. I mean. I yeah, uh, Lauren from Batting Around was on uh, last week, and she's a big O's fan. Talking oh, about yeah. getting a pit beef at Camden Yards. Oh, it's good. It's it's now it's time. Are you from Balmer? I'm from DC. I'm from like oh, I'm DC. No, I'm not. I'm from Fairfax. I'm from right outside of DC. <laughs> Fairfax. But I grew up with the. I'm from pre uh, pre nationals time so i grew mm. up with the o's and it's it's them all the way and you know the o's and the wizards and that's about it for me yeah i mean well the the o's have like that real they got that scrappy quality they got a real personality as a team they do it's an interesting if you're my exact age you grew up with them and it's like the cal ripkin years, cal you know? ripkin. and it's like the fucking brady anderson you got these guys you know it's like it's a big deal and they're mm. going all the way and it's, it's the iron man and it's incredible and then Right around the time puberty starts to hit, they become a laughing stock, you know. Like, oh <laughs> God, they're just like me, aren't they? You know, like. Yeah. And then now they're we're we're getting there. We're getting sure, there. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Jays fan, and because uh, I'm from Toronto, and you get we, it then. Yeah, yeah, we get the and well, we actually won stuff in my lifetime, which we we won two World <laughs> Series in my lifetime. Okay, well, I thought we were gonna build a little solidarity there. Yeah, sure. I was I was three and four years. I was actually for so I I liked the O's when I was a kid. I had no idea why I liked the or yeah. I think it's because I liked the logo. I liked the guy. That was like my brother was a was a Jays fan growing up just because he liked the the hat. You know, he just liked the colors and everything. Yeah, like, yeah that's that's as legitimate a reason as like oh yeah because. We're from like a forty-minute drive from Baltimore, so like, you know, it means just as much. I I want to start wearing Mil- Milwaukee Brewers gear just because I consider that to be the finest sports logo ever ever conceived. It's, it's very so, unpretentious, you know. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, a guy who makes beer. Yeah, or or the MB, the glove, the glove logo. It looks uh, great. Yeah, the M and the B with the baseball in the middle. It's so fucking clever. 
so fucking uh, god damn it i love it, it so much it is i've been i've definitely not been into not been into teams i maybe should have just because like the the, the iconography is just <laughs> yeah yeah i met the guy well i met the guy who claimed to when i was i was very briefly working at cartoon network um and while i was there i was wearing this this o's hat and the, mm-hmm. a guy stopped me and he was he was a little older the timeline sort of checked out he was like you know i'm the guy who designed that ah. and i was awestruck and then i went back and i looked at it and i was like you how i don't think that's true i think <laughs> guy would have to be like in his 90s but yeah what whatever that means i'll take it you know yeah Maybe he designed the modern version of it or something like that. Yeah, there's 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 ways it works for sure. But the the exact bird I've got on my hat right now is what I had. And I just don't think it I don't think he did that drawing, which is what he led me to believe. But who knows? knows? I buy that that guy who made that drawing would then later be working at Cartoon Network and like trying to curry the favor of a 27 year old, you know, (laughs) what were you doing at Cartoon Network? I was working, my friend Mikey Heller, very talented guy, uh, he makes a, a very funny web comics. Uh, he got me, he was working at We Bear Bears, and he got me a ah. job doing uh, just like thumbnails and boarding and just like, but mostly just like gag writing and like mm-hmm. pitching jokes at We Bear Bears. Uh, and that was awesome. That was my yeah. first job in television. Very cool. Very fun to work with all them. Oh, great. I, I mean, one of the fantastic shows to come out of that era of the Steven Universe era. It was, yeah, it it was a good vibe there. You know, like they, they had a good team there and I got a joke on I, my first day. I got a joke on, you know, Hell yeah. like, oh, I'm doing it. It was a uh, Grizz was, he's walking through a, uh, walking through a metal detector mm-hmm. and it keeps going off. And they're like, do you have any metal on you? He's like, oh yeah, I got all this. And he takes a bunch of metal off and he goes through and it beeps again. They're like, oh, it's really sensitive. Are you thinking about metal? He goes, always. Like it's never <laughs> far from my thoughts, of course. He goes, oh, and they're like, just try not to think about metal. He goes, I know what I'll do. And he thinks about a banana and you see the thought, this very like web comics guy, like yeah. you see the thought bubble over his head. He walks through and it beeps. He goes, but I thought about a banana. And then the banana in his brain, it unpeels and it's like a Terminator under yeah. the banana. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good gag. I got it on. That was, you know, the first day I was like, I'm on top of the world. Yeah, I'm on fire. And then fire. eventually I had to be told, they're like, hey, this is a kid's joke. You can't pitch jokes about like, uh, this is a kid's show. You can't pitch jokes about like a uh, bear getting a nosebleed to impri- imply like brain death or something. <laughs> All right. That's a little bumpy. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I mean, I love those characters. Too. They're so well designed. Like, I rarely oh, yeah. want to buy merch, but I see those Wee Bear Bears plushies and I'm like, I, I want it. they're so so cute they're so appealing daniel chong very cool very cool like design eye it's Mm -hmm. very they had a really cool design team over there too it was very cool to like meet them and get to see like how they board a show you know i just like learning while i was there and yeah watching them board show i was i would like watch as these episodes went from like because they're board driven right so they they go from like outline to board to animated yeah it was like it was like watching a team of people do magic in front of me yeah, because it's uh, it that's very interesting. That's like from that. That's like all the CalArt stuff that uh, that yeah. came out around that time, which became synonymous with the CalArt style and Bean Mouth, which I always thought that was sort of bullshit. Like I don't that's understand why people bullshit. got so upset about that shit. It's it's just like that's what like, everything looked like. Klasky Chupo when I was a kid. Like, what are you fucking talking? Like, it, it's just an era, you know? Yeah, you like, just the, t- the, don't like trends. I guess you don't like trends. Yeah, what are you goddamn talking about? It's crazy. But also, like, 
No, they don't. Like, yeah, there's a very simplified sort of style that like I, yeah. I can sort of see that right now. But like calling it CalArts is very strange to me, too, because it's like CalArts has not always been producing work that looks like that. Like CalArts in different eras means very different things. You're just that's just where a lot of the design people come from. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just like weird resentment. I guess it's the idea of maybe there's like there are elite institutions in the world of animation. They're trying to keep you out. The goddamn Rothschilds of animation are at uh, CalArts and they're (laughs) and they're proliferating bean mouths so that regular hardworking animators can't get a shake in this goddamn world. And I I felt this way before, like in because I come from comedy before any of this stuff, like in in the world of comedy, I felt before it's like, how many goddamn people went to NYU? I feel like I'm everyone. (laughs) Everyone just had an advantage going in and I just got to like, and it's, it's just resentment. It's not their fucking fault. These people didn't do anything wrong. There's and everyone from NYU I've ever met has been nice to me. You know, it's like, that's not, it's shut up. Like, it's fine. It's just like. I don't know. I feel like it's the same thing. I'm Tish, just School of the Arts. I go Pish, School of the Arts. That's yeah, School of the Farts. Yeah, School. Yeah, you got them. Yeah, I, I, I guess there is that sort of because, um, you know, also both of us have been incredibly lucky to get any audience whatsoever. Dude, hell yeah! With the shit we make too. Yeah, it's like, oh, holy I think it's shit! Good, I, but like, it's how weird. did this happen? How did this happen? And um. So I always like it's always sort of disheartening to see somebody who is just so much more talented than you and yeah. they are not getting they their shit just doesn't get any traction because it's not made to be shared in social media. And, you know, that's always a I get why people get angry because they're obviously people that sort of get more attention that it's not necessarily that they don't deserve the attention, but everybody deserves this amount of attention, but only some people get it for very seemingly random reasons. It it, it just like is random. Like ultimately yeah. it's random and there's no, there is no like justice to it. Yeah. And sometimes somebody who really deserves it doesn't get it. Sometimes somebody who worked their ass off and is talented does get it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, sometimes it wins out. Sometimes it doesn't. You're just in control of how you treat people, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, I don't have any. What, what I, We're coming near the end of the episode. Would you have, just to leave it off, would you have any general advice for people who are seeking to make their own web comics? Yeah, do it for you. Uh, it, it's a lot of hours, and it's a lot of people saying whatever comes to their mind to you, and uh, <laughs> that can be, you know, that can be. Yeah. But I, I feel like we both probably got pretty thick skins with that stuff, but you yeah. don't. You don't always start with that, you know. It can be a it can be a bummer to work hard on a comic and just watch it fizzle out. And mm-hmm. if if you're not doing it for you, it's you're gonna get real bitter real quick. Yeah, I I think, and so do it for you. And I've given a bunch of advice in this episode. If any, I treat it the way I treat AA meetings. You know, <laughs> it's like if you if you you'll hear what you need to hear. You know, you'll you'll take what you need to take. From it, maybe something you imagined I said that I didn't actually said say that'll actually be the best advice you could ever get. Mm-hmm. And so, just feel free to take that or or ignore me completely. Maybe you don't want my career. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, it's, uh, who takes advice from uh, penis comics and swan comics people? You shouldn't. Do, you shouldn't do that. Yeah, you probably honestly you can probably do better. Yeah, yeah, probably yeah. Do better but, yeah fine. If, uh, listen to Alan Watts. I, I don't know. Don't listen to <laughs> Alan Watts. Is he's sort of fraught. But uh, as you call him, Alan Frotz, uh, that's a different thing entirely. (laughs) 
what are what are your plugs, Branson? You got any plugs? Yeah, oh uh, yeah, you gotta listen to Root Tales of Magic, my D and D podcast. You got to uh, oh these those stars of space. Uh, we do it's a it's another podcast I'm on. It's like a Star Trek parody. Very very funny. Very proud of that show. Um, you gotta read Swan Boy. I don't know if you you might not have if you've been very selectively uh, dim- turning the volume down on this episode. You might not know. I make a web comic about a swan. Uh, go to swanboy.com. Check that out. Uh, I don't just, just, just you know check me Branson Reese on Twitter at Brant Son of God on Instagram. Watch Swan Boy on FX. I got a book of comics. Hell was full, which is just like this like daily, mostly four panel comics that I made. Check that out, please. Um, and uh, that's I think that's everything. I I always can you know I'll remember something afterwards. But I think yeah, it. yeah. Uh, that's how it works every time. But uh, Branson, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Thanks for you are a me. This delight. Is so fun. Yeah, it's it's very fun talking about the craft, talking about the craft of cartoons. You know, getting in there, rolling up the sleeves, and doing yeah. the work of talking. Yeah, it really it really makes me feel like James Lipton, except I was never a pimp. He was a pimp. Yeah, James Lipton was a pimp. He was always a pimp. He was always, he was a, always pimp. a pimp. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye, everybody. See ya.